Welcome to the Professional Plumber Podcast. We hope that these podcasts will bring some insight into who we are and what we do. So while in conversation with the PIRB, sit back, enjoy, and make sure to connect with the PIRB on Facebook or at pirb.co.za for more. Welcome to another lacquer technical episode of the Professional Plumber Podcast. My name is Willem Klopper and I'm your host. And I never roll alone for these technical podcasts I have with me in studio today. Well, dining in via the internet, I have Mr. Richard Bailey. Richard, a warm welcome to you. And uh, thanks, Stack, for your time and effort for this episode. Thanks, Willem. Uh, always a pleasure to be here. And uh, yeah, as always, you know, these, these technical podcasts are, I think, pretty valuable. They lack a short little snippets of information. So yeah, let's get on with it. All right, so today in today's episode, we're specifically talking about uh, stagnation in solar water heater systems. And uh, I think there are a couple of things that we're going to discuss about it. We're going to look at a couple of aspects about it. But before we do, before we go into the details, as usual, our normal routine or, or, or ritual, if we can call it that way, I want us to, to just cross over to some ad breaks. So to our viewers and our listeners, don't go away. Stay tuned because we'll, re we'll be right back after this. Are you a tradesperson or a trading company that is looking for a platform to market your services? Let Articulated speed up the process for you. You can use our podcast to sell your services. Email us for a quote at organizer at articulated.co.za. You can also visit our website at www.articulated.co.za. The PORB Master Plumber Recognition Program has officially arrived. As an essential service to society, there must be constant growth and development within this important and ever-changing industry. Developed by the POURB, the Master Plumber Recognition Program has launched as a new POURB designation, allowing industry champions to take the lead. Skilled and experienced plumbers equipped to take the lead Enroll today to start your journey in becoming a recognized PIRB Master Plumber. Occupational health and safety is not only enforced through legislation, but also critical for the sustainability of society, our economy, and the environment. TMP Magazine offers you convenient and easy access to information about occupational health and safety, especially for the skilled trades industry, right at your fingertips. Stay healthy and stay safe by staying informed. DMP Magazine, available on App Plumber or at www.themasterplumber.co.za. Welcome back. You are still tuned into a lack of technical episode of the Professional Plumber Podcast uh, with me and Richard Bailey. Uh, Richard, I mentioned just before we went into our ad break that today we're going to discuss um, specifically stagnation in solar water heater systems. Um, we've, we've spoken about solar systems so many times, but we've never touched on this specific subject. So yeah. what exactly, what is meant when we say stagnation in a solar water heater system? Well, you know, uh, stagnation, the word stagnation means that uh, something is not moving. And uh, that's the, exactly the same meaning in a, in a, in a solar system. Um, uh, let's just for clarity uh, define what kind of solar system we're talking about. We're talking about a domestic solar water heating system. So don't get confused with your electric 
solar system. This is not what we're talking about. We're talking about a water heating system. And in this case specifically, when we refer to stagnation, we refer to the circulation within that system. So we, when we say this uh, system is stagnant or it has stagnated, uh, it is the circulatory action that has stagnated within the system. So let's get to that circulation part or the circulation aspect thereof. What exactly yeah. is, define, define that circulation for us. Please. Yeah, so the one needs to understand that a solar water heater or a system comprises of many components, but there's two main components, and that is the collector and the storage. So you need to collect the heat, and in in a in a in a domestic well in a solar water heater, we collect it via the UV rays, which uh, excites the certain materials within the solar collector, which in turn cre uh, creates heat. And this is how we collect that heat. But it is a separate component from the actual storage water heater. So the heat is sitting somewhere over there remotely. We need to get that heat energy into the geyser. And so we typically, well, not typically, it is a case of circulating some fluid some heating fluid from the collector into the storage container and thereby transferring that heat. So one can infer from that that if you have a collector, which is apart from a storage container, you have to have that circulation. When once that circulation stops, well, you're not doing anything. You're not collecting it. You're collecting the heat, but it's not going anywhere and it's not doing any useful work for you. So when we talk about stagnation in the solar system, you're still collecting the heat, everything's still in place, but you're not transferring the heat from the collector to the storage container. Richard, in other words, by all means, I'm deriving from this that the circulation can at some point stop or stagnate. We, we, we are speaking about, we're using the, the term stagnate. 100%. So it, it does stop. Uh, and, and there are numerous factors that can contribute to, to a solar system or, a, or, or, the, or the circulation within a solar system stagnating. So let's look at the two different types of solar systems, one being thermosiphon. Now, thermosiphon, I, I, uh, I know that we have chatted about it on, on different podcasts, but uh, just for refresher and for context, a thermosiphon system relies on the natural um, uh, qualities or, or uh, properties, should I say, of, of water at different temp temperatures. So a, water, a body of water at a higher temperature will be less dense because it's more excited, more excited it's, it's less dense and it weighs less and it's, so it's lighter. And so it will want to rise to the top of any uh, cooler water. And the converse is true for the cool water. So we take advantage of that phenomenon uh, in a thermosiphon system whereby the cool water displaces the hot water in the panel below and vice versa for the, for the hot water. Now that circulation within that system, it's there, it is designed to be there, but it is a very weak force. So 
very small little things can actually uh, prevent or inhibit that circulation from taking place. And I mean, I'll name a few factors. So in a thermosiphon system, you would look at things like heat traps. A heat trap is a, let me take one step back, Willem. Let me tell you what it's what what a what a, a circuit or a loop looks like without a heat trap, and that is a pipe straight from the collector into the geyser at a slope, a constant slope from the what is supposed to be the cooler collector up to the uh, uh, hotter tank. That is that's the that's the theory behind it. So your hot water wants to go from the collector to the tank because it is uphill, it wants to rise. If you have a heat trap in that pipe somewhere, whether it's in the flow or the return pipe, it doesn't actually matter. You are inhibiting the flow of a very weak force uh, by asking it to, for example, travel downhill for a certain amount of time and then come back up, which it very often cannot overcome. So heat traps are things that configurations of the pipework where the pipework is not constantly sloped upwards or downwards for that matter from the tank. You have a very long level part or a part that dips down. And typical and common in this is uh, penetrating through roofs. When your pipework comes from the collector and you've got a, a tank inside the inside the roof space, you're very often tempted as an installer to put a, a 90 degree bend or something to penetrate the roof and then go straight up again. So you've created a small little heat trap there and that will stop it in its tracks. And you do that twice, one on each leg. Other things that can contribute or cause stagnation in thermosiphon, for example, are very long runs of pipes. So if your collector and uh, tank are pretty far away from one another, you're talking about friction loss. Uh, another thing that could contribute is undersized piping. So when you reduce the size of the piping, uh, for example, undulating, we've already spoken about heat traps, but undulating uh, pipework whereby changes of direction are numerous and unnecessary. We add to the to the friction loss. And, and these are the things in a, in a thermosiphon system that can that can cause stagnation. Uh, as well as anything else as um, obvious as a closed valve, for example, a, a shut-off valve which is closed. Obviously, that'll that'll have an effect. Now, the other type of, uh, of solar system is a pumped solar system. And exactly the same thing we can, we can say here, except the smaller factors don't usually have an impact because of the fact that the circulation is actually forced by a pump. So it will overcome heat traps. It will overcome uh, undulating and undersized piping, but it won't un overcome more obvious obstructions such as blockages, uh, such as closed valves, or perhaps malfunctioning components such as a non-return valve that is stuck in position or something like that. So one needs to ensure that whichever system we're talking about, the circulatory flow is at all times kept open. And it's surprisingly common, Willem, to find it uh, not so. Richard, I want to, to ask about specifically when it comes to 
um, the circulation having stagnated and, and heat being transferred. Uh, but before we get to that specific question, um, I want us to cross over to another couple of ad breaks. So to our listeners and our viewers, don't go away. Please do stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. Good day. How can I help you? Hi. I'm here to log in my COCs, but I seem to be having an issue with my computer. No problem. But did you know that you can log your COCs using an app on your cell phone? Oh, what app is that? It's called the App Plumber. Do you have a smartphone with you? Yes, I do. Oh, well, let me show you how it works. Not only can you access your PRB profile on the App Plumber, but you can also earn CPD points while exploring the plumbing industry in the palm of your hand. Download the app from Google Play Store and join thousands of other happy users. With the current state of electricity supply in our country, combined with the rising prices consumers face, you can be part of the solution by helping your clients switch to solar. Complete the articulated SANS 1010 Domestic Solar Water Heating Systems course to become an accredited installer. In celebration of Heritage Month, Articulated offers a 10% discount, making now the best time for you to make the switch. Welcome back. You are still tuned into a lack of technical episode of the Professional Plumber Podcast uh, with me and Richard Bailey. And today we are discussing stagnation in solar water heater systems. Uh, just before we went into our ad break, uh, Richard was explaining, um, you know, sort of and how and, 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 and why there can be a stoppage of the circulation or stagnation of the circulation within a solar water heater system. Um, Richard and I did mention to you that I've got a question when it comes to um, specifically the relation between heat transfer and the circulation, which means that surely to me and my common sense as a layperson, that if circulation stops and there's no circulation, it means that, well, I translate it to no heat transfer. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah 100%. So like we said in the beginning, when you've got a, a separate collector from the storage container, you need that circulation to take place in order to transfer the heat energy from the collector to the storage container. So yeah, you're quite right. If 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 that stops, well, you've got no heat transfer into the storage container. But so what happens to the system then? Because you haven't switched off the sun, it's still there, and you haven't uh, vanished the collector, it's also still there. So it's still in the sun, gathering a lot of heat energy from, from the sun. And uh, what happens to that heat energy? Well, first of all, it's uh, good to note that, you know, there is a, I don't want to get too technical, but there's a relationship between the existing temperature of, of, of an object, for example, the collector and, and, and how much more energy it can then absorb. And the, the higher that temperature gets to, the, the the less of the less energy it can absorb and the less the rate of absorption is. So it does get to a point where it kind of says, okay, now I'm I'm hot enough and I'm not going to get any hotter. But that is pretty hot, Willem. Let me tell you, it's it can be over 200 degrees Celsius that you can get to uh temperature on a good day with a flat plate collector or an evacuator tube collector. And if you're going to measure parts of that um of that system of the collector, you can you can touch on 200 degrees C. So 
We're talking about superheated water. Sometimes it's water, sometimes it goes, it turns to steam. You know, in, in our climate, we don't see temperatures of 200, but I'm just giving you a possibility. So what essentially the point I'm making is we, we call it stagnation. And with stagnation comes serious overheating of parts of that installation. And overheating can have devastating effects, not only on the system, but if it's allowed to propagate and if interfered with them, if it finds a human being in its vicinity, watch out because it, it becomes a lethal thing. So um, we're not going to get into the technicalities of, of overheating and, and, and thermodynamics and, and how one can experience what we call superheated water within a pressurized system, because that's another thing. If you suddenly release the pressure of a super of superheated water, and you re, you revert it back to atmospheric pressure, you have a catastrophe on your hands. So we're not going to get into that. But the, the 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 overheating is one real problem, and the second real problem for Mr. and Mrs. Jones out there is that. Just because the heat transfer isn't happening between the panel and the tank doesn't mean that they haven't got hot water. Because 90% of these um, geysers are electrically backed up, Philip. So their experience is one of, well, everything's hunky-dory. So they don't recognize that there's no solar benefit for them from the system. So they're happily using hot water, thinking that they're benefiting from solar where in fact they're not. So that's a cost implementation for them. Plus they are seriously damaging uh, the uh, equipment. Plus me personally, I have this, this aberration for, for wasted heat energy sitting in a panel, which you know I could be so well utilized. I have this, I, I love things to be functional. So when I know that something's stagnated and it's been stagnated for three years, and nobody's realized that it's a problem for me personally, but it's a problem for for the household as well. So that's the that's what the consequences of this are. And I'm telling you, Willem, that what I've just described can be caused by something as simple as two bends in the wrong place in in a in a set of pipes, and 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 it's uh, and it causes all these problems. So yeah, be vigilant. Richard, so you're saying be vigilant. I was just about to say that we are drawing to a close of this specific episode, and I find it very interesting. Like I mentioned to you, um, you know, I'm reiterating the fact that we've spoken about solar systems and water, water, solar water heating systems before many times in other podcasts, um, but we haven't touched on stagnation thereof and the fact you know, that the risk of, of stagnation and, and non-circulation uh, means that the heat doesn't transfer. You mentioned it. The risk is also that, you know, the, the homeowner thinks that because it's electrically backed up, that they're using the solar system. Meantime, back at the ranch, they're using the electric uh, heating. It costs them more electricity. They get a surprise when they get the electricity bill at the end of the month. But the fact is also that that water sits there and it gets heated and it has nowhere to go. And I just can I can imagine so all all sorts of wrongs that can go there, and that can happen there. But you said be vigilant, um, Richard. So just before we we close off this episode and end it off, um, what can people look for? What can what can the user, the homeowner, or uh, should they? 
have regular inspections on their system or is there something they can do signs they can look for and i want to shoot a shot in the dark and ask you is there something that can be done to sort of prevent this from happening well the, i i the, the, so so the thing with the solar system, Willem, is it's a specialist thing. Um, it might, you know, the more you dig into it and delve into it, you will agree with me. Uh, the more detail you unearth, the more you realize how much there is to it. So, and, and how many little things can go wrong. So the best I can advise a homeowner, a layperson to do is to switch off the electricity back up to the geezer for a period of time, a day, two, two days. I, don't, I know it's inconvenient. I'm not that's up to you. But I'm saying, if you switch off the electrical backup to the geyser, you'll then be able to tell whether or not that geyser is uh, getting hot from the solar input. And and that's that's a very, very basic and very easy and straightforward test to do. In terms of what to look for, I'm going to say, let a solar qualified plumber look at that thing. It's not for the homeowner to, to try and diagnose his solar system. Don't do it. You, you, you're actually playing with fire. And it's not it's not it's not something you can service mm. unless you have specific specific knowledge. Um, with regards to prevention, well, yeah, make sure that the installer knows what he's doing. Like we say all the time, I know that it's I know that it's difficult for a homeowner or a layperson to determine whether or not a person is is properly qualified to install a solar system. And, and one hopes that these podcasts uh, go have some tiny little impact on one or two, you know, individuals' uh, decision-making going forward. But the reality is that, we, that homeowners are not qualified to determine a solar qualification. And I'm going to say the easiest way to do so is to double-check to see whether they have that designation on their PRB registration card. And it's that's as simple as that. Mm, that's specialization. And they are issuing that COC for the solar. There's at least recourse. There's at least a knowledge that the person has gone through specific training criteria and courses to get to a point where he is designated to install solar. And there is recourse through that certificate. Mm. So that's my best advice. Richard, I, I, I had a... Almost a, a little bit of a, a, a chuckle, <laughs> if I may, uh, when you when you said um, you know homeowners shouldn't shouldn't sort of inspect their system um, yeah. that they're playing with fire when they do. I mean, with all that hot water sitting there, if it's stagnated and the hot water is sitting there at two hundred degrees Celsius, they literally are playing with fire. Uh, <laughs> you, you've got no idea, Willem, the the amount of damage that can be done. Uh, from a from a from an overheated uh, solar system, there there are so many scenarios, but we won't get into that. But yeah, but to the to the to the plumbers out there, um, Richard has mentioned this, and we reiterate the fact that solar systems or domestic solar water heater systems are far more complex. Um, it is a specialist field, and um, you know you can listen to podcasts like these, listen to and watch them for that matter. But there is also there are also courses that you can go and do to become that uh, accredited solar water heater installer. Um, I mean, just on IOPSIS e-learning platform, Richard, there's the uh, 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 SANS 1106 yeah. uh, domestic solar water mm -hmm. heater course. Um, yeah. Am I correct? Yeah. I mean that that is perfect for the people to, and I mean that's 
not only for them to learn the ins and outs and the intrinsic, uh, in, in, in intricate parts of uh, solar water heater systems, but also that, that offers them that opportunity to expand their services and their business. That's, you know, that's, that's how I see it. But Richard, we are drawing to a close of this episode. Uh, once again, as usual, thanks to Stack for the information that you share with us. I love learning from these conversations. So um, yeah, thank you. No, it's only a pleasure, Willem, uh, as always. Yeah, no, thanks very much. And then to our listeners and our viewers, please don't go away yet. Do stay tuned. We are going to bring you some interesting and cool industry announcements. Stay tuned. Just like the PRB's podcasts, plumbers can now also claim CPD points for watching and answering the quiz for the PRB's Plumbing 101 show. Be on the lookout for the next Plumbing 101 episode and inquire from the PRB about the accompanying quiz. Congratulations to the winner of the PRB's leaderboard, George Enelbrecht, registration number 7011-18. The PRB would like to give special acknowledgement to the top three performers, namely George Enelbrecht with 50.5 points, Mark Lish with 45.5 points, and Chekhovatsu Lewele with 45 points. Your continual professional development uplifts the industry and inspires other plumbers. You may already know that the PRB loves to interact with you, the plumber. And we are constantly thinking of new ways to keep this interactivity going. We know that there may be many lingering questions that you might want clarification on regarding the plumbing industry and the PRB as a company. Therefore, we are introducing a brand new show called On The Couch to answer all your burning questions. For your questions about the industry or the PRB as a company to be answered, Please send them in video clips or voice notes to the PIRB's WhatsApp number. That is 079-833-6930. Again, 079-833-6930. Plumbers and homeowners, we have heard you. We are excited to announce that we are improving the non-compliance notice list to make it easier for you. The PIRB will implement an update on the non-compliance listings to make it simple for plumbers and homeowners to understand plumbing standards. Forget the plumbing jargon and be in the know about your plumbing system with the new improvements. Be on the lookout for the new non-compliance list coming soon. And finally, it's time to announce the latest winner of the PIRB's article writing competition. The winner is Dean Skuman with PRB registration number 3655-10 for his article named Small Businesses and the Current Economic Crisis. Dean has won himself an awesome prize and has earned himself a whopping four CPD points as his article will be posted on the TMP magazine on App Plumber. Be sure to enter the next round of this exciting competition Contact the PRB today to find out more. Thanks for having tuned in. Make sure to read more about the PIRB on our website at pirb.co.za and on our social media channels 
like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 